Welcome to My Two Cents with host J.R. Robinson and co-host Jessica Lonnie Rich. Are you on track for a secure retirement? If things go badly in the markets, will my nest egg still last? How do changing tax rules impact consumer savings and spending strategies? How do I know my financial advisor is competent and ethical? How do I organize my financial life? We'll answer important personal finance questions like these and so much more. And we'll do it in a way that makes a dry, arcane topic engaging and entertaining. And now, here are your hosts, JR and Jessica. Welcome to another episode of My Two Cents with financial planner J.R. Robinson. I'm co-host Jessica Lonnie Rich, and the title of today's show is Potluck. Good afternoon, J.R. What do you have in store for our listeners today? Good afternoon, Jessica. So today marks our um, 10th episode of My Two Cents, and to commemorate the occasion and in, in keeping with the holiday season, I thought we would have a virtual potluck. So I'm sitting here, I got a few bottles of wine and a couple of boxes of cookies. What, what did you bring? Uh, I did not bring fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> right. I also brought a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, should be a good show then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, no, seriously, I, I actually, this is, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but at the, the uh, the concept of a virtual potluck. And I was, when I heard, first heard about that um, a month or so ago, I was trying to figure out, okay, how does that work? What technological innovation allows people to solve for the obvious problem of a virtual potluck in terms of remote dish sharing, right? So um, I have my cookies here, but I obviously can't share them with you. So then I, at, uh, at Thanksgiving, I heard about uh, families and small groups of friends who would sort of coordinate uh, the drop off of different dishes at their at various houses, and then um, they'd follow up with a Zoom gathering afterwards. So it's the, you know, not all that different from sitting around a table and, and doing it. So um, it's obviously these are pretty tough, dark times for people not to be able to get together during these during the holidays. But it's it's uplifting to see that kind of creativity and to see people remaining positive and, and not letting physical separation prevent you know, socialization. And Definitely. So anyway, as far as the title of today's show, it has nothing to do with any of that. Um, but I, um, <laughs> I called today's show a potluck because uh, each of our three segments is an entirely um, separate topic or dish, if you will. And in the first segment, I, I want to remind our listeners about some important year-end tax planning considerations. There are only a few weeks left in the year. So if you want to take advantage of potential opportunities, it's, it's time to hustle. And, and as always, um, our listeners are encouraged to consult with their CPAs before implementing any of the ideas that I may be sharing today. Uh, keep in mind, too, that from about December 1st to April 15th, most CPAs are jammed, and uh, they've got plenty on their plates during this period of time. It's actually a pretty stressful time to, to be in, in that business. So to save time and to make their lives easier, it might be a good idea to send questions to your CPAs uh, you know, via email first, rather than just calling up out of the blue and expecting to drop everything and, and, uh, and help. That makes out. sense. And that sounds like really good and sound advice, JR. Now, assuming that you're able to remain on time with that segment, what's in store for our second and third program segments? Okay. So in the second segment, I, I'd like to help raise listener awareness of uh, the different types of retirement planning software that are, that are out there and to really harp on the limitations and the pitfalls of a lot of these apps. As with many topics on the show, I have some strong feelings on the subject and um, I, I probably will be naming some names. And, and uh, if I start to get too worked up or too passionate about it, you just got to rein me in a little bit. Uh, well, but <laughs> I hope so. Uh, so uh, yeah, keep me in line. So to, to wrap things up in the third segment, what I thought I'd do is just uh, I want to just share some more financial planning stories just to illustrate how the topics that we discuss on this show actually get applied in real life. I know the examples that we shared in the last two shows, um, the Treasure Hunt show and um, yeah, the I forget what the other, the other uh, financial planning um, uh, show we had right before that. But um, 
real world examples make the show more interesting, I think, and they help convey how financial planning really works. And they, they also help dispel the popular investment centric view, I think, that most consumers have about uh, how we financial planners earn our keep. I really enjoy the stories that you tell. There's nothing like those real life stories. And that really sounds like an ambitious agenda you have for us in store today, JR. But what are the odds that you will be able to fill all that into the next 45 or 50 minutes? I think you know the answer to that. It's uh, the answer is not good. <laughs> no, the smart money is taking the over. Um, it's reasonable per- to predict that I may run over on the tax planning discussion. And um, if I do, we may just have to skip over the retirement software discussion and, and devote uh, an entire future show to that topic instead. But let's just kind of wing it and, and see what happens. Sounds good, JR. Let's jump right in. And please share with our listeners the tips and ideas that you have that may help them to keep more of their hard-earned money and also give less to Uncle Sam. Sure, let's do it. Uh, let, let me start by doing one of the things that I, I think I do best in my job, which is to nag and pester and conjole people into getting their financial houses in order. Back in November, we had episode six, which we did. Um, we did. I think the title of the show was "Rethinking Tax Planning," and we did that in the in the wake of a bunch of new tax laws. And what I I wanted to do in that show, sort of the hidden purpose, uh, was to get people thinking about tax planning well before the end of the year. So as of today, December 9th, uh, we are pretty late in the game, and I I know the holiday season is busy for everyone, even in this sort of COVID messed up year, but now is very much the time to get this stuff done. Tuesday, December 31st is not the time to take action. And with that public service message sort of out of the way, uh, what I thought I would do is just rattle off a bunch of ideas for different segments of our listening audience to consider. Uh, I thought I'd start with some ideas for small business owners and and go from there. So um, yeah, I'll hop right into it. To, you know, 2020 has obviously been a strange year. Many small businesses have experienced unprecedented hardship and have seen their businesses either severely down or, or you know, in some cases, they've been driven out of business. Uh, feel especially bad for restaurateurs, for example. But um, in other segments, there have been just as a result of the changes uh, brought by COVID, uh, certain businesses have seen sales soar and have had um, amazing businesses. So uh, I, anyway, I'll, I'll just start. Here are some things that, that people should be thinking about, some points to ponder. Um, one of the, yeah, one of the things I want to mention really was um, on the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP program. Um, if you took money, people need to remember that the PPPs, the right comes after PPP, they're PPP loans. And while there is an element of forgiveness, um, and most business, small businesses that took PPV money, I think, are doing so with the objective of having that entirely forgiven. But people need to remember that you actually do need to initiate that process to get it forgiven. So um, in October, the Treasury Department issued some guidance that all businesses that receive PPP loans of $50,000 or less uh, would have their loans basically automatically forgiven. And I, I fear that when that news came out, that a lot of the business owners um, who fell into that category thought that they meant that they didn't have to do anything further. In truth, they actually do need to do something. They, the, they need to, to fill out, I think it's SBA form 3508S, and uh, they need to check the box on that to self-certify that they've used the money appropriately. Um, and if they, they need to do that really in order to get the, in order to have that forgiveness be granted. Um, if your PPP loan was $50,000 or less, the bank that helped you process the loan should be in contact with to, to relay this information. Uh, it varies from bank to bank. So if you haven't heard anything from your bank about that, or you haven't really thought, or disregarded even their messages, uh, you might want to give them a call and start that process. So there is no December 31st deadline for PPP loan forgiveness, uh, but recipients should remember that you actually have 10 months after the end of the covered period. That was either the eight-week period or the 24-week period um, uh, after you received the money. Uh, After that 
10 uh, month period, you actually have to start making loan repayments. So um, for businesses who receive PPP loans of greater than 50,000, the forgiveness process is actually kind of complicated. It's a bit of a minefield. And you would be wise to familiarize yourself with the process sooner rather than later. Um, the, the rules really are uh, more complicated than you'd imagine. And it's possible also that the Treasury Department and the IRS may issue more rule changes along the way. Um, they've done a, a bunch already. Uh, my sense is that it will be a big mistake for business owners to procrastinate on this and to wait until the end of the 10 month period to start the forgiveness process. It really, you know, the, if, for people who had those loans issued in uh, April and May, the, the, you, that 10 month period is going to creep up pretty quickly. So uh, really good idea to, to, to get on that. Uh, hopefully your CPA and your bank are familiar with all of the rules and your, and your bookkeeper too, uh, for all the hoops that you'd be required to jump through in order to have your loan forgiven. Um, so that's uh, item number one. Beyond PPP, there are a bunch of other timely issues for small businesses to consider before year end. Um, yeah, I'll just try to run through them here. Uh, one on the list, uh, coordinate with your bookkeeper and your CPA to see if it makes sense to defer some of your income this year to 2021 or um, uh, maybe to make uh, certain necessary purchases in 2020. Uh, does it make sense to you know, prepay some, some 2021 expenses? But uh, some, you know, some of the things that might come to mind on that score, group medical insurance premiums, uh, a lot of, you know, most businesses make their retirement plan contributions, their employee, the other employer contributions for employees. They usually make it in the following year. They have up until September, October of the following year to make contributions for the previous year. Maybe this year, it makes sense to pay them in, this, in the current tax year. So, uh, again, it's a topic for discussion with your uh, with the CPA. Um, if your company operates as a family business, does it make sense to add family members such as teenage children to the payroll if they helped out during the course of the year? Something to think about. Um, if you have a 401k plan or a simple IRA plan, have you maxed out the salary deferral contributions for you and your family members for the year? It's um, another thing that kind of needs to be done by year end. If you have not made or maximized your salary deferral contributions, you might also want to check with your CPA to see if maybe it makes sense to, um, you can't do this with a simple IRA, but you can do it with a 401k. Um, maybe it makes sense to switch to the after-tax Roth 401k contributions instead of making the pre-tax contributions, pre-tax 401k contributions that most people make with their salary deferrals. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, if you anticipate higher income tax brackets in the future, especially at the time of retirement, um, maybe it makes sense to do the after tax contributions now instead. It's, it's a hot topic these days in financial planning circles. And um, I know I raised this issue in episode six, too, but um, now's the time to be thinking about that. So uh, those are just a, a few of the easy uh, tax savings opportunities for, for small business owners. There have been so many tax law changes stemming from the CARES Act um, and, and, and just other rule changes recently, uh, I will say your CPA is in a far better position than I am to guide you through some of those um, you know, small business specific changes. Uh, but again, my job is to, to raise awareness um, and, and encourage you to make that call to your CPA ASAP. Um, you can help your cause further by having your bookkeeping records up to date and delivered to your CPA in advance of, the, in advance of that call too. Wow, that is a lot of information to digest, JR. And I believe the odds of going overtime on tax planning on this segment are approaching 100%, but let's keep rolling. What year-end tax planning tips do you have for individual consumers? Okay, so here are some ideas for people who um, are still working, uh, but they're not small business owners. So um, it's probably too late already to max out or to change the 401k contribution elections for 2020, uh, but it never hurts to ask if you think you'd benefit from doing that. Um, so you can maybe call HR and, and ask if, if you think you should either increase your contributions or if you'd switch from traditional to Roth, now would be, uh, you know, try and see what they say. Um, 
as with small business owners, you should ask your CPA whether Roth 401k salary deferral contributions make more sense for you going forward than making pre-tax, that is, you know, tax deductible traditional 401k deferrals. Uh, similarly, if your income was unusually low this year due to the virus, um, maybe it's a good year to make just regular Roth IRA contributions. Um, if your income, um, yeah, if your income was low this year, uh, maybe it also makes sense to take some capital gains before year end too. So uh, those are, are all on the radar. Uh, let me see what else is on my list here. Um, sure, I'll, I'll, uh, here's one. Although uh, changes brought by the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act um, made it more difficult for families to benefit from itemized deductions, including charitable deductions, there was a new law um, instituted this year that allows for just a separate above the line deduction for charitable contributions up to $300. And so if they you're charitable, yeah. That yeah. is a lot of information and we are covering a lot of ground today. And we're gonna have a lot more with my two cents with you, financial planner, J.R. Robinson. I'm co-host Jessica Lonnie Rich and we'll be back right after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nest Egg Guru makes affordable software for financial advisor websites to help advisors better educate and engage with their clients. Consumers today no longer wish to receive book-length so-called financial plans that they'll never read after leaving their advisor's office. Instead, they want to be educated and to participate in the planning process. The three Nest Egg Guru planning apps help address your greatest financial fear. If things go badly in the markets, will I still be okay? Tell your financial advisor to step up his or her game at nesteggguru.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to my two cents we'd love to hear from you on the program today call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 if you'd rather send an email the email address is info at fphawaii.com now back to my two cents here again are your hosts jr robinson and jessica lani rich you're listening to My Two Cents with financial planner J.R. Robinson. I'm Jessica Lonnie Rich, and the title of today's show is Potluck, and J.R. is covering a variety of different financial and tax planning strategies. And J.R., let's pick up where we left off. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, thanks, and thanks for keeping me on time. Um, yeah, I, I just mentioned that um, there's a new $300 above-the-line tax deduction for charitable contributions because a lot of people don't benefit from you know, if they don't have enough deductions to itemize, they don't benefit from the, they don't get any tax benefit, I should say, from making the charitable contribution. So there's a new benefit for you can make $300 above the line deduction. Um, I've, I've had a couple of people say, you know, is that even worth doing? I'm, uh, well, I'm, my wife says I'm actually a tightwad, uh, but I, I prefer to think of it as I'm parsimonious. It sounds better, I think. <laughs> but um, but basically, yes. if a three hundred dollars, it's yeah, it's it's not a lot. But if you saw seventy five dollars or a hundred dollars lying down, lying in the street when you're walking by, you pick it up, right? It's just the sure. same thing. Yeah. You're making why not take advantage? It's not a huge deal, but yeah, let's take advantage of it. So that's one thing. Um, a couple other, just to finish up on the topic of um, just uh, other tax savings ideas or concepts for people who are, are working um, to consider. One is I know a lot of people, if you're working for a big company, they have um, flex savings accounts. And as you probably know, that th those accounts allow for pre-tax contributions, uh, but you have to use the money before the end of the year. So um, people should check on the balances um, and you know, you've got to spend it on things like childcare or medical bills before the end of the year. This year, the deadline for, this, for spending has actually been extended to March 15th, but to keep things simpler, and you know, you may want to book those last-minute dentist or optometrist payments or or appointments or or pay up for childcare 
just to make sure that you, you do use that flex spending money up. Uh, another, another good suggestion, uh, if your income is low this year and you have extra cash in the bank or, or extra after-tax um, money in investment accounts, you should ask yourself, does it make sense maybe to do a partial conversion of pre-tax IRA money um, or 401k money to Roth 401k uh, before the end of the year? And the basic idea is that if you can pay uh, tax on the conversion money at a low federal tax rate, and, and right now rates are near historic lows, um, you know, what, um, you know, you, if you pay a tax that's low relative to what you'll likely pay in the future, it may be very wise to do that. So the key is that um, to doing a Roth conversion, though, is that it's helpful to have discretionary funds available and savings or investment accounts so that you can pay the tax uh, uh, that's due on the conversion. So again, this is a great topic to raise with the CPA. So um, there are plenty more potential opportunities for tax saving in 2020, uh, particularly for those who have been directly or, or indirectly um, affected by COVID. So just you know, raising awareness, have these conversations with your tax professional uh, and do it now. That sounds like great advice, JR. And it sounds like you, there's so much to cover. So let's just keep going. <laughs> All right, sure. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's just, a, it's, a, it's a lot of content. Um, and I was, I was thinking that back in episode six and I'm realizing it uh, now again. I really want to be careful not to get caught up um, too much in the details of all of these rules. There's a fair amount of complexity involved and um, adding to complexity of 2020 year end tax planning is the fact that future tax rules uh, may depend on how a couple of Senate elections go in Georgia in January. So it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to, it's always hard to anticipate what taxes will be in the future. Um, we're sort of operating from the point right now where um, I think there's pretty widespread agreement that, that marginal tax rates, tax rates in general are historically low. Um, we have a large national debt. So this is really just a political issue. Um, it's reasonable to expect that tax rates across the board will probably be higher in the near future. So um, throwing that out there. Um, as always, you know, my role is to raise awareness of the possibilities and then steer people to their CPAs for specific guidance that, that may be available to their situations. And speaking of CPAs, JR, I'm glad you brought that up about CPAs. How do you think the CPA community feels about your telling people to call them now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, even though we're in the 11th hour for tax planning, I hope my CPA friends appreciate that I'm telling people to call them now instead of the last week of the month. Um, episode six was encouraged to um, get people to call early. I doubt that it worked. I do something like that every year and it never works. Um, people are prone to procrastination. So um, anyway, another re another recommendation along those lines, however, is um, for uh, consumers, if, you, if a consumer, any of our listeners has a financial planner already, it's probably a great idea to include the financial planner on the call or at the appointment or in the Zoom meeting with the CPA. It's, you know, I find that if I'm explaining things to a client to raise with the CPA, things get lost in translation. It's just, it's, it, they just do. And uh, because we generally know the rules better than most of the, the clients do, when we're on that call, we can more easily and better convey the potential planning ideas to the CPA. Um, and I'm finding that these days I'm on three-way calls with the clients and their CPAs pretty much every day. So it's, 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 it's very helpful to do that. It saves everybody time and helps get things, um, get things done right. That sounds like another great idea you shared with us today, JR. Do you have any more tax planning guidance for consumers? Yes. So to finish off this segment, um, I would like to offer up some planning tips to our listeners who are uh, specifically over age 59 and a half. So what is the significance of 59 and a half? Um, that is the age at which taxpayers may freely withdraw pre-tax money from their IRAs without being subject to the 10% IRS imposed early withdrawal penalty. And it's relevant to this conversation because People who are over age 59 and a half with IRAs and who may have been furloughed or otherwise experienced lower than normal earned income this year 
may wish to consider making withdrawals from their IRAs to the extent that the distributions will be taxed at a low federal marginal tax rate. And um, it's especially true this year. And I, I, I'm throwing the idea out there, not just for people who are, are suffering hardship who actually need the money, um, but to be clear, this, this may be a sound idea for as far as tax planning goes, even if the person doesn't need the money to meet their living expenses. Um, and who should they call to have that discussion? Their CPAs. Ah, oh, you're good. You're getting good at this. <laughs> you're teaching. You're a mind me. reader. <laughs> it's like you're inside my head, you know. <laughs> so, so what other uh, tax tips do you have for anyone over the age of fifty-nine and a half? The fifty-nine so, and a half crowd. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, another hot topic in the financial planning community these days involves the possibility that. Um, the Biden administration may stick to its campaign promise and platform to push to increase the capital gains tax to match the ordinary income tax rates. Uh, so it may make sense for some people to realize long-term capital gains in the 2020 tax year while rates are still low. That's one thing. Um, similarly, the current federal lifetime estate and gift tax exclusion limits that were set under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act um, right now are set at uh, about a little over 11 and a half million per person or 23 million, um, a little over 23 million per couple. And so the, on, as far as estate and gift tax goes, the Biden platform included um, the proposal to reduce those limits back to three and a half million per person or 7 million per couple. You know, I know for most families, those are still pretty big numbers. Um, but with that in mind, for families that are um, above that $7 million, um, maybe it makes sense to make some larger gifts to family members now, uh, such as their adult children and grandchildren this year. Um, alternatively, and we're doing that, and that, those conversations obviously also in, in, involve bringing in their um, estate planning attorneys too, as well as the, the uh, tax planning element. Um, but um, alternatively, uh, December 31st is the deadline for you know, gifts made in the calendar year, gifts made up to up to fifteen thousand uh, dollars, which is the annual gift tax exclusion limit. And just to clarify on that, gifts—if you give someone more than any one person more than fifteen thousand uh, dollars, theoretically, you are required to file a gift tax return. It's uh, I think it's IRS Form seven hundred nine, documenting that you have used up a portion of your lifetime gift and estate tax exemption amount. That's the Right now, the 11.58 11, 11. million and you know, 23 plus million exemptions. So, um, but if you give 15,000 or less, um, you can give that amount to as many people as you want and not have to file a gift tax return. So, a husband and wife, for example, may make combined gifts of $30,000 to as many people as they see fit each tax year. Um, depending on how many children and grandchildren you have, this can also be an effective way of helping to reduce the size of an estate over time. That is really good advice. Do you have any final tips for seniors? Actually, yes. I have a, a couple of um, uh, just ideas to share that specifically apply to listeners who may be over age 70 and a half. And as, um, as most of you know, uh, the CARES Act eliminated required minimum distributions from retirement accounts for the two, for the 2020 tax year. That's that's just for this year. Um, however, uh, just because these distributions aren't required this year doesn't mean that um, people over 70 and a half uh, shouldn't consider taking them. And keep in mind, if 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 you if taking them will allow you to stay in the 22 percent or even the 24 percent marginal tax brackets. Those are actually pretty low historical tax rates. And given the likelihood that marginal tax rates may rise, uh, maybe it makes sense to take distributions over and above the minimum, um, even above what you would have been required to take, just to, to get up to the, uh, to, until you bump up to the next marginal tax rate. So as an example, um, married couples filing jointly are, are in the 24% marginal tax bracket uh, for taxable income up to uh, $326,600 this year. And above that, income above that starts to be taxed at 34%. So it's a pretty big jump right there. Um, oh. So even if your RMD was relatively small, uh, you may want to think about withdrawing 
much more from your IRA in 2020 to the extent that you can do so and still stay in that 24% marginal bracket or lower. Um, let's see, what else? Oh yeah, um, additionally, even though minimum distributions weren't required from IRAs this year, qualified charitable distributions for people age 70 and a half or older um, are still permitted for um, up to $100,000 uh, per person for, the, for this tax year. So as you can see, there are a lot of, um, a lot of moving parts and in, in, um, you know, the temporary and so-called permanent tax law changes uh, are all ephemeral. They're subject to change and they do change all the time. Um, and you can expect them to change based upon the degree to which the virus continues to affect the economy and also based upon the political inclinations of, of the president and Congress. You have covered a lot of ground in that discussion, JR. Is it safe to assume that this is a busy time of the year for you too? As a financial planner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you bet. It's um this year is is definitely busier than most, um, just because of all the weird, you know, COVID-inspired rule changes that I'm I struggle to keep up with too. Um, those are, you know, the rules brought by the tax, uh, excuse me, the, the CARES Act and um, all the different clarifications that have been issued by the Treasury and IRS. Um, I find that I'm working through these issues pretty much every day with clients, yeah. Can you give us some real life examples? Absolutely. In fact, I will, I, I have a, a few examples in mind that I can share that uh, are really just, just from the last couple of weeks. Um, let's see. Uh, last week, I had a, a, a long financial planning review meeting with uh, a husband and wife. Uh, they're longtime clients. Uh, they're in their early 60s. And the wife is retired. She has a small uh, small teaching pension. And the husband um, is, is working, plans to continue to work at least until Social Security full retirement age at 66. And he, um, he actually likes his job enough that he'll probably continue working beyond full retirement age. But uh, th together, they've done a wonderful job of saving and investing over the past few decades. And they could easily retire comfortably now. But this year, the husband was furloughed and his income will be roughly half of what it normally is. So on our Zoom call, uh, I went through many of the items that I just shared in, in our discussion here and discussed with them the possibility of higher income tax rates in the near future. They have substantial positions in their IRAs, and they liked my suggestion of withdrawing from the IRAs this year, even though they don't need the money. Um, while they had originally planned on not tap tapping their IRAs until they're probably until they turned 72, which is the new RMD age, um, this year, they're planning to take out actually about $150,000 from their IRAs to fill up that 24% federal income tax bucket. So um, that was one practical solution that came out of our meeting. Additionally, JR, yeah, yeah. there's oh. going to be a lot more of your <laughs> stories that we're going to be talking about. Uh, today, our topic is potluck, and JR is covering a variety of different financial and tax planning strategy strategies. And we're going to hear more life examples right after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nest Egg Guru makes affordable software for financial advisor websites to help advisors better educate and engage with their clients. Consumers today no longer wish to receive book-length so-called financial plans that they'll never read after leaving their advisor's office. Instead, they want to be educated and to participate in the planning process. The three Nest Egg Guru planning apps help address your greatest financial fear. If things go badly in the markets, will I still be okay? Tell your financial advisor to step up his or her game at nesteggguru.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to My Two Cents. We'd love to hear from you on the program today. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
If you'd rather send an email, the email address is info at fphawaii.com. Now, back to my two cents. Here again are your hosts, J.R. Robinson and Jessica Lonnie Rich. You're listening to My Two Cents with financial planner J.R. Robinson. I'm co-host Jessica Lonnie Rich, and the title of today's show is Potluck. And J.R. is covering a variety of different financial and tax planning strategies, and he's giving us some real-life examples. J.R., let's pick up, pick up where we left off. Absolutely, and uh, thank you, Jessica, for uh, making uh, sure that I um, stop when I'm supposed to and for breaking for commercial breaks when we're supposed to. If, if it weren't for you, our <laughs> listeners would have like, this wouldn't be an hour long show. It'd be three hours and I wouldn't shut up the whole time. So it's, <laughs> without you, I'd be totally lost. So um, in picking up uh, where we left off, I was giving an example of um, uh, how the tax planning solutions we, we talked uh, about before the break are, get actually implemented in real life. And so getting back to that couple, um, because they think that they're income tax rates are likely to be higher in the future than they are now, um, the husband plans to reduce the amount of his pre-tax contributions to his 401k to just the amount necessary to receive his employer's full matching contribution under the safe harbor plan that they have. And because his plan actually does not offer a 401k, a Roth 401k option, uh, what they plan to do instead is to make individual Roth IRA contributions in 2021 and beyond if they're eligible. Um, alternatively, they may also be, be looking at doing partial Roth conversions during that period of time. So um, again, this is just you know all the concepts we've been talking about. This is how financial planning works in practice. Um, I have another, this is um, a, a, another good real life example I have a, a longtime husband and wife client. They're now actually in their mid-70s. And um, uh, the husband was a, a very successful businessman. And at my encouragement, a uh, long, long time ago, he set up a 401k plan and a pension plan that helped them sock a really large amount of money away during on a pre-tax basis during their peak earning years. Um, they did a remarkable job of saving and investing, and and their estate right now is valued somewhere around fifteen million. Wow! So um, it's not a, you know, right now they don't have an estate tax problem at the federal level, um, but obviously if the state tax laws change, they might very well have um, their biggest beneficiary be the IRS, which is not their primary financial planning objective. So. Um, of that 15 million, approximately six million dollars is actually in rollover IRAs from those um, 401k and pension that we originally set up. Um, and at the same time, uh, I've, I've been working with these people for more than 30 years. Um, they have an extremely modest standard of living that has not really adjusted upwards um, as their net worth has increased. Um, and that's true of a lot of the business people that I work with. Um, Interesting. Yep. That's so, why they have a lot of money. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's what I find. People, who are, well, people who are very good at saving tend to be not very good at spending. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah. So while there, are, while there are obviously worse problems to have than, than having too much money, um, they're very much aware that Uncle Sam would like to claim a large portion of what they've worked so hard to accumulate. So I've been working in conjunction with them and their estate planning attorney and their CPA for the past few months to you know, try to address this issue, especially in light of potential uh, changes in the, in the tax laws. And so here are some of the steps that we're taking with them. Um, first, just to, to take advantage of the historically high estate and gift tax exemptions before year end, uh, they plan to transfer approximately $5 million of real estate and investment accounts into an irrevocable trust that's uh, being drafted, sorry, I think as we speak. Um, and the trust will be managed for their health maintenance and support um, for their lifetimes and will then pass on to their children um, outside of their estate, estate tax-free upon the death of the second spouse. So uh, one of their three children will, will serve as the trustee of the trust for their lifetimes. And um, uh, so that's one element, one big element that we're doing. Um, the IRAs uh, are also uh, important to consider and they're really a sort of a sticky wicket it was originally where our, our planning originally was that the three kids would eventually inherit their IRAs and be able to stretch those IRAs out over their lifetimes. 
um, and taking advantage of that you know, tax deferred growth too. But uh, as we mentioned back in episode six, the SECURE Act kind of messed that up. Um, it, when it passed in 2019, it eliminated that stretch provision and now requires the beneficiaries to withdraw all of the money from the inherited IRAs within 10 years of the date of death. And um, that creates a current tax problem for, for them. In fact, many Maytag's cases, the kids have to take large taxable distributions during their own peak earning years, which you know benefits Uncle Sam all the more. So uh, at the same time, the clients have a problem where you know their own RMDs could, put, could potentially be a problem if income tax rates go up too. So to address these as best we can, um, their CPA concurred with my suggestion that they take distributions from their IRAs this year, even though the RMDs weren't required. In fact, we're taking out more than what the RMDs were uh, up to the point where they start to bump against that 34% marginal bracket. Um, the tax that they will pay on the distribution also serves to lower their total estate tax value or total estate value. And um, to help this cause uh, further and lower in terms of lowering their estate, the clients are going to be giving $30,000 to each of their three children and to their grandchildren. And we expect to continue this strategy in 2021 and to adapt to the tax law changes as they occur over time. So again, another, this is you know, practical, real world stuff that's going on in conversations that we're having all the time. Great um, advice that you're giving to your clients and saving them a lot of money basically in the process. Yeah. And, and you know, the funny thing is, you know, we're having all these financial planning talks here, right? We're not talking about investing at all, are we? I mean, if we no. talk about mutual funds or ETFs or anything, we're not, right? I mean, no. There's this, uh, I keep harping on this as a general theme for this program, is that there's this perception that financial planners just help you with your investments. This stuff is every bit. I always think that this is more important than the investing side because investments you don't have any control over. Investment values can go up or down um, and you know, people can be really happy that like this year, right now, they have, they're really happy they had a good year. Well, they weren't so happy at the end of February when everything dropped 37%. The, the difference in, um, in, in financial planning for these, these aspects, the tax planning aspect, for example, is that the benefits are tangible and immediate and irreversible. I mean, if you save somebody in $10,000 in taxes, that's money, real money that's in their pocket. It doesn't go yeah. away until they spend it. So, um, so yeah, that's, 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 that's the, sort of the cool part of financial planning. The part that I really want people to, to understand is that a, a real financial planner, yeah, we address the investing side, but this stuff is the non-investment side is every bit as important, probably much more important than just getting the investment allocation, investment strategy. Um, and your real life examples just hit it right on the mark to, to, to show us what you mean by that. And well, they're, thank you. They're great examples. And also, J.O., you know, we were talking about the 59 and a half and, and seniors. Uh, I think we have a little bit of time to just briefly touch upon the ins and outs of retirement planning software? Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I clearly that was supposed to be segment two. And we, uh, we obviously blew through that. Um, I'll, I'll say this about retirement planning software. Um, the general theme that I want to raise on that, and I think, I think I'm going to pencil that really for another show. Um, but the, the general theme is that I, I want people to be um, aware that the applications that most financial planners use and that consumers use um, have very little predictive value in terms of saving for retirement, in terms of retirement spending or retirement saving. And um, the, there are so many internal assumptions that the software makes and that pe people should be aware of that very small changes in just those assumptions can have dramatic implications, especially when you're looking at time long time horizons on the output. Um, so I, yeah. And at the same time, I think most of the software applications that they use, and I just saw Charles Schwab is rolling out a new retirement spending application, and it's encouraging people to you know, help help people assess how they're spending it. You really need to know what assumptions are being made under the hood, and you really need to know what the simulation methodology is that they're using and what the limitations of that are. And I think most consumers simply don't know that and actually look to that for real guidance without understanding how potentially unrealistic the applications are. So, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to use that for a separate show. Um, but it, it's, um, uh, it's, it's an important topic. And I like, as predicted, 
Uh, one thing we can predict is that I will talk a lot more than I anticipated at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I don't just look at it as talking. You are just giving us some amazing financial planning information that is just so practical. And by you giving us these real life examples, it brings everything back home to us. Do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners just to sort of wrap up as someone is just t- tuning into the show right now? We've been talking about potluck which was a theme for today's show. And we covered a variety of different financial and tax planning strategies. So can you recap for us what you shared with us? Ah, let's see. So um, I guess the, the common theme of this show was, you know, how, how important tax planning is and how important it is to get your financial house in order and get all of your preparation for that done well before the end of the year to start having those conversations now. I think uh, I've maybe flogged that concept to death, but um, that's that's the big uh, theme from this show. But there are so many tax rules um, and it's and how many and there have been so many tax rule changes. Really hard for people to keep up with them all. But if you're if you if you're a financial planner or your CPA or or you are doing reading about it, it, the more you can learn, there's plenty of opportunities in there too. Um, so that that's one big thing is to um, uh, to make sure that 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 you you are addressing. This is the low hanging fruit in terms of boosting your total financial optimization. Whether it's it's, it's not like I said, it's not much different from performance re, per, uh, portfolio performance. This is real tangible money. Um, so it's, it makes sense to pay a great deal of attention to the tax work. And I liked what you covered in the past hour, JR, regarding the CARES Act, because a lot of people, I mean, when you were sharing with us about some of the loans, uh, you you just gave some really important information. And if someone's just turning in and they missed that, can you give us a brief recap of that? Yeah. So, I I mean, the the, um, PPP program, the the, um, Paycheck Protection Program, is... um, it was very, very popular and lots and lots of small businesses, even some big businesses. Some of them are getting where the optics aren't necessarily good or getting some publicity lately, uh, some bad publicity lately. But um, I, a lot of small businesses and a lot of the people that I work for benefited from that program. They applied and got money that helps keep their businesses going and help them retain employees. And that's sort of a wonderful program. I think a lot that the the rules when the when the money was issued were actually not even clear. They weren't even set yet. So that while the getting the money was relatively easy and the, um, the concept of loan forgiveness was wonderful, um, now that all the rules are coming out and we're seeing how complicated it is, people, people who took the PPP money need to be really careful about going about it, getting the, the lo- applying for and jumping through the hoops necessary to get those loans forgiven. And uh, yeah, the big point on that, for people who tuned in late, yeah, uh, you have 10 months from the date at which your covered period, which was originally eight weeks, was then later extended to 24 weeks for, for many businesses. Uh, for businesses that uh, who, who got PPP money at the end of that covered, from beginning from the end of that covered period, you have 10 months until the time when you must start repaying the loan. And that's the loan. It's not free money. So unless you have applied for and been granted forgiveness, you actually have to start paying that money back. And uh, so, yeah, 10 months creeps up pretty quickly. If, if your covered period ended in June, what's 10 months would be, what, April? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it, that's the right around the corner. So it's, and you don't want to be doing the application a week before it's going to take the time, SBA time to approve it. Yeah, this, and it's really complicated. So I really suggest getting that application in sooner rather than later to, to for forgiveness. That, that's great advice. GR, you were giving us some real life uh, stories and experiences that you've had. How about sharing one of your most interesting financial planning experiences? So I have, I have, um, I, have I, I, I will say this, I, and I'm going to, we're going to, I think we're going to have a show that's de- devoted to telling some of these sort of stories, but some of the most interesting experience that I've had actually result were involving fraud and trying to prevent fraud from, from clients happening to clients. So um, one example I had was I, I had a, um, a woman who was a, a single 
single her whole life of, um, had never been married. And she was my client when she was in her seventies. Um, and she died when she was in her mid or late eighties. And she drafted a will. Her, her father had been a professor at Harvard and she wanted to leave her entire estate to, um, to Harvard and have it in his, in his name. And, um, she was, she required long-term care and she wanted, she had enough money to be cared for at home. She had had a long-term care provider, a personal health aide. Um, one day I got a request to transfer all of the money out of her account. Um, and the request was made by the care provider. And she told me that she'd gotten the attorney to change the uh, instructions on her, uh, on her planning documents so that she was going to be the trustee and she was going to manage the money herself. Uh, and I knew the attorney that originally drafted the documents and he said, no, we know she didn't want to do that. We called out the other attorney and said, you know, how'd you let, how'd you oh allow this to happen? Oh my goodness. So we got, we got, got, got that solved, but it was that woman was, who was the care providers really trying to, to take the money for herself. It was a little over a million bucks and Harvard would have come wow. up for that money. That is a horrible story <laughs> that somebody would even think about doing anything like that. Thank goodness you were there and you contacted the attorney to prevent that fraud from happening. Elder abuse is a big deal. It is. You've been listening to another episode of My Two Cents with financial planner J.R. Robinson. I'm co-host Jessica Lonnie Rich, and the title of today's show was Potluck, and J.R. covered a variety of different financial and tax planning strategies as we start to close out the year. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in this week to My Two Cents. Be sure to join J.R. Robinson and Jessica Lonnie Rich again next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, aloha. <laughs>